This is the 12 Songs of Christmas. I'm Alex Rawls, and this is my podcast about Christmas music. Today, I'm talking to Texas rocker Patricia Vaughn, who released her Christmas album, My Favorite Holiday, late last Christmas season. The album rocks in the way that many Texas-based roots rockers do, folding hot rod culture, garage rock, and Latin music into a signature mix that can only come from one place. Like many Christmas albums recorded in the last couple of years, COVID played a part in making it happen, as she'll explain. For me, one of the interesting sidebars to the last couple of years of 12 songs is how the pandemic either created a need for musicians to create, or a time when musicians who otherwise would be busy could get together, or specific circumstances in their life, wherever they are, somehow led to a Christmas album. That was the case for San Antonio-based Vaughn, as she'll explain shortly. She's the sister of filmmaker Robert Rodriguez, and if you think about the soundtracks to his movies, you know what Vaughn sounds like, even if you've never heard her before. I like this conversation because hers is a working musician story, and so many choices are tied to gigging. She travels in good circles, but her story is told one gig and one record at a time. We'll get to Patricia Vaughn shortly, but first, I wanted to talk about the last, last, last new song to come out of the Christmas 2021 season. On the week of Christmas, V of K-pop monsters BTS released Christmas Tree, which debuted at the top of the digital song sales list. That means people weren't only streaming it, they were actually paying for it, and in sufficient numbers that it more than doubled the sales of the runner-up, Gale's ABCDEFU. We're not going to dig too deeply into Christmas Tree, because it's a stretch in my mind to call it a Christmas song, despite its title. V sings, Your light's the only thing that keeps the cold out, moon in the summer night, whispering of the stars, they're singing like Christmas trees for us. And for me, eh, that's not a lot of Christmas to dig into there. Instead, I want to go to another BTS Christmas song, and there are a few to choose from. K-pop is designed for mass appeal, and BTS are the absolute proof of concept. In 2018, Jimin and Jungkook of BTS recorded a version of Justin Bieber's Christmas Day since A, the song is right on brand, and B, it was there to be stolen. I should say, I'm not positive that this is a Justin Bieber song since the only version of it I can find is a video of a performance at Disney World from 2011. But I can't find a version by anyone else before that, so we'll go with it for now. If you know who first performed it, let me know. Anyway, Jimin and Jungkook keep the reggae groove, but by swapping out the big beat of Bieber's version in favor of a largely acoustic arrangement, they come up with something far more durable. They're selling their voices and harmonies in an easy-on-the-ears presentation, and in the process, insinuating themselves into the most American of holidays. There's a book to be written on how BTS conquered America, and clearly one phase was to be fun and likable, while audiences that had been suspicious of music and foreign languages learned to like them. Their appearances on James Corden's show performed that function, as did their guest spot on the Grammys telecast when they were part of Little Nas X's presentation of Old Town Road. Anyway, 
Let's hear Jimin and Jungkook of BTS and their version of Christmas Day. Then we'll be back on the other side with Patricia Vaughn. Let's go. To start with, what's the story behind My Favorite Holiday? The story behind it was um, inspired by the generosity of donations all last year during my grassroots fundraising page for my hometown of San Antonio, San Antonio Food Bank. Um, My hometown made headlines around the world of thousands and thousands of cars. It was this iconic photograph that... um, that showed people in line just to get food. I was absolutely horrified because in this country, no one should be going hungry. And for that amount of people to be in that line in my hometown of San Antonio, it shocked me. So I went live for the first time and by on my mother's birthday and by Christmas time, we raised over $10,000, which fed all, over 75,000 people. And so I know, so that gratitude that I felt by Christmas, it made me um, write a song, you know, to perform because every Friday on my Facebook fan page was my live stream um, for an hour. And so I would take requests. So in by December, which I have a birthday in December, I wrote a song called Santa's on his way and I sang it acapella. And so by the new year, when we were coming out of COVID, where we could go out, I went to my producer, Rick Del Castillo, and I said, I want to make this a single, a grand single with a video. And um, so when we sent it to our friend Scott Plunkett from Chris Isaac's band, I said, just piano and vocal, it's quarantine, something simple. He sent it back sounding the way you hear it on the album. It's like a band orchestra. And it is, again, inspiration. It inspired me to write a song with him called Christ Child, which is a piano and vocal. So you'll see what I was going for. Really uh, very uh, basic. And but it wrote itself really fast because then it started in, you know, what my parents taught me and my brothers, 10 brothers and sisters, the 10 of us, um, you know, about what Christmas really is. So that song wrote itself so fast. Um, and it's the meaning behind Christmas. And so then I started reaching out to Rosie Flores, Alex Ruiz to write Noche Buena, David Grissom to write Alone on Christmas Day, because we had always wanted to write together, but never had. So in quarantine, we bucked down and 10 songs later, we made an album. And the highlight is the only cover on the albums, because all of my albums are always original music. I stepped out of the box and put a cover on it, (laughs) 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 which which is Carol of the Bells, our favorite sister um, acapella performance. But it took four different studios in three different states to get my sisters in there to record this for the world to hear. That's great. So (laughs) we're going to start there. We'll end up working our way backwards through a lot of that. But just to start at, start at that point, tell me about the process of arranging Carol the Bells because it has become a theme I hadn't planned on this, this season, talking to musicians 
who recorded it, all of whom talking about the challenge of what do you do with this song that everybody loves, that is so sort of seemingly immediate, but at the same time can so easily become uh, become repetitive if you're not careful because it's dun, 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 on, and on and on and on. How did it was you- very easy. It was very easy for us because we knew our parts. It's a tradition every year that oh. when we are together, my sister, my my eldest sister Angela, taught us that song. Um, but it goes back to when my mother uh, would teach us her favorite Mexican folk songs as children. That was our our Spanish lesson. Being Latinos was learning the mariachi music. So we were used to hearing harmonies. And when it came time for Christmas, we would learn songs like Slow Boat to China, all of the sisters singing three-part harmony, or um, I Left My Heart in San Francisco, or Oklahoma, or we would just choose our favorite songs. But Carol of the Bells was the highlight because it's everyone's favorite. Um, but we already, we already knew our parts, so that wasn't hard. I just reached out to my sister in Angela in New York. I put her in a studio right away first. We had hers. And then I put my vocals on second. And I did my other sisters just in case my other sisters couldn't make it on this recording. Um, I put several, you know, um, layers on, but then my sister in Mexico put hers on. And then my sister in LA put hers on. And then I brought my little baby sister in there and, and in the studio in Austin, Texas. And we all made, the track, oh, that's but it great. wasn't hard because we've already we already had it yeah. down, you know, all these years yeah. as, so, as siblings. Yeah, so this was the family version. This is the version oh, yeah. that the you've family, had. That's, the, that's, oh, that's the family version that we always on the phone at Christmas time. We would choose our friends. Who do we want to see? Our aunts and uncles. We'd call them on the phone and we start singing it. Hark, the bells from start to finish. Ah, our ah, grandma. Ah, we would call my ah, grandma from start to finish. So we were like on a roll. So we, there was no problem. We remembering how it goes. It was just st- putting our stamp on it and having it on this album was a gift to the world. I mean, even my sister-in-law, she says, Carol, the bells is going to be on your album. I went, this is going to be a winner. <laughs> So take me back to the start here because you sent it, you sent the track to Scott Plunkett and that he gave you more than you were planning on. Why did you decide that at that point it needed to be an album and not just a single? Well, no, I didn't plan on an album. I planned maybe on a six song EP because I mean, we're in quarantine. I didn't want any of my musicians in the studio. I I actually came down with COVID during the making of this and I was vaccinated. So I was so relieved that I did not have anyone in there. It was just me and my producer. Um, And then we would, you know, send it to Steve Ferroni, Tom Petty's drummer in LA when he said yes to the song about people that don't have a happy Christmas or families to go home to. And when Carmine Rojas from David Bowie's band uh, said, yes, he did it in his own home studio, you know? Um, And the three members of Chris Isaac's band did it from their own computers and home studios. So that was the miracle behind this. It was just like, wow, I could do that with Scott, my gosh. And then Rosie and David Grissom, he did it from his own studio in Austin, Texas. That's, it's a miracle that it happened, but it all stemmed from the inspiration behind the food drive. 
yeah. and generosity of people that didn't have much at that time. Sure. You know, one of the things I think is, is interesting as you talk about this, and I've, t- or, and I've run across this as I've interviewed other people, is the way that COVID has seemingly, seemingly forced so many musicians who had some kind of home setup to really dig into being able to record from home. And now, as you say, you had people flying in tracks from everywhere. And earlier I talked to a, a group from Nashville who recorded with a band that they could never have had had they had to get everybody in one room because there were too many people whose time was too expensive for them to be able to pull them together. But if you sent them three songs and said, can you lay down drums? Suddenly it all becomes, uh, you know, it all became more manageable. Um, and, and I was thinking when I was looking at yours that this was, that you haven't had this kind of high powered uh, lineup in previous bands. And so, and so one of the questions I was thinking was, is it because Christmas music is just going to be really heard or because under the circumstances you just needed the people you could call and the people who could successfully fly in uh, a handful of uh, a handful of tracks? Well, again, when I got to the third song, because it was um, fourth song, it was Santa's on his way was the first one, Scott Plunkett. The second one I threw out was Rosie Flores. She was working on Santa's on a Rampage. And um, Alex Ruiz was Noche Buena. So we were working on Noche Buena. But the fourth song was David Grissom's Alone on Christmas Day about the homeless epidemic here in Austin. On any given night, you'll find over 2,500 people on the streets here in Austin. In America, over 550,000 on any given night. I wanted it to be about that. And there's an entity in Austin community first that finds permanent housing for these people. And I wanted to shine a light on community first through this song. So I, I, uh, when I wrote it with David Grissom, I said, don't think Rudolph, think Tom Petty. (laughs) 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 And he sent me his lyrics the same night that I sent him my demo. And this is David Grissom who told me, when do you need this by? I'm going to be gone all of August. I have two albums I need to produce for people. I'm going to be busy. Um, And he sent me, that night so he was inspired by that the theme behind it the Tom Petty feel so when that happened I felt inspired to reach out to Steve Aroni and Carmen Rojas Steve Aroni first because he played with Tom Petty for over 20 years and he was my friend from when I was barely out of my teens and I moved to New York but in the early 90s and my first job was at the China Club in New York as a co-check girl thanks to my big sister who let me sh- um, share her uh, shifts because they were like from 10 in the morning to four in the morning. I wow. mean, and my sister had two or three jobs. I mean, you know, you work your ass off in New York. So I said, keep it in the family. Let me work at the China club. Uh, Let me cover uh, your uh, 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 So I got to meet Steve Ferroni. I got to meet Carmen Rojas, who are our friends till this day. So when I, when it was in the Tom Petty vein, our song Alone on Christmas Day with David Grissom, I was like, let me ask him. I'm going to ask him if he would consider this song. And he, when he said yes, it inspired me to go to Carmen Rojas because they're buddies. Right. And then little did I know that Carmine said, David Grissom, he's my, uh, send him my love. I haven't seen him in so long. I'm like, wow, <laughs> we're bringing people together. This is friendship. This is like, you know, camaraderie, musician camaraderie coming together in this dark time. So that's how that happened. Yeah. And when that happened, 
I mean, it just, it took on a life of its own. And even my producer who produced my last album, because this album is taking on a life of its own. It's like someone has a hand in this. I went, yeah, maybe Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> started happening I really heard a voice in my heart saying don't do a single for me I helped you move to New York you know like baby Jesus telling me right. I helped you move to New York I helped you make seven albums I helped you do everything in your life why are you cutting me short with one single <laughs> do, do one for me will you do one for me <laughs> and let me tell you Alex that again inspired my heart to explode saying I'm going to do one and not only that this is going to be a masterpiece for baby Jesus I don't care who hears it this is going to be a masterpiece for baby Jesus and all those people that gave to that fundraising campaign you know yeah so it came from that place not what the you know I wasn't worrying about competition I wasn't worried about who's going to hear it I was like this is a very significant personal you know, connection sure. to the person that made everything happen. My, my sweet Lord, mm, yeah. my sweet Lord. Yeah. Do that when you start a project and have, and, and have a moment like when you hear Pl Scott Plunkett's arrangement that it sounded like, as you said earlier, that inspiration hit. And obviously part of it, I'm sure is divine, but also I imagine part of it is just as an artist, once you hear an idea, you realize, oh, what else could I do? And, and, and was that the case where you had, where one idea sprang five? And then that Absolutely. sprang. Absolutely. Because when you sent it back sounding like a big band, all my albums are really like rock and Southern rock and alternative and roots rock with the South of the border flavor. You can't really have a big band song on that. You know, <laughs> it, there wasn't any room for that, but I didn't know I had it in me. You know, when he sent it back sounding like uh, Frank Sinatra meets Andrew sisters, I really delved, delved deep into the fact that, you know, my parents to bring up 10 children, we'd always go to the movie theater to watch the old MGM golden age of Hollywood movies and those amazing um, Jerry Herman and, uh, you know, uh, Leonard Bernstein and Sondheim and, um, you know, the sound of music and those amazing films that we were brought up on. That's what ins inspired me to jump out of the box and write the jazz tune Christmas without you. It's totally jazz. And then Santa's on his way, big band, but it had took Scott Plunkett to lay down his, orchestral arrangements to paint that canvas that way, you know? Yeah. So that was the miracle. Christmas time is here again. 
At what point did Spanish language songs come into the come into the equation? Oh, all my albums are bilingual sure. since day one. That was in, that was inspired by the band the Cruzados from East LA, who later on went to um to, later on went to score my brother's films. My brother's Robert Rodriguez, who did Desperado, the Mariachi trilogy, Machete. Um, from dusk till dawn and the Crusados were a huge influence on me and him and my older brother, you know, um, because their music was this cool Mexican rock band, but they always had a Spanish song on their album, which was again, their thumbprint to their heritage that made them to me, it made it sound like, wow, they're so proud of their heritage. Um, and so that's what I wanted my music to be like. And ironically, when I moved to New York and, and lived in New York City for 11 years, I couldn't find work in as Rodriguez. So I used my middle name, Patricia Vaughn, because they wouldn't even I couldn't even get through the audition door because they would always say you don't look Mexican enough. <laughs> I mean, believe it or not, I mean. This talking about discrimination, yeah. but I was like, even for my own people. So I was like, dang. So um, it was my big sister who still lives in New York. She says, you should use your middle name because you look Italian. You could pass for French, Greek. You could pass for so many ethnicities. Just don't tell them, you know, just let them guess. Right. And I work consistently, but that was an, another reason why I wanted each of my albums to have at least three Spanish songs to sprinkle it on like the Crusados did, because they were such a big influence to me. And that hit me when at that early age, like, wow, they're, they're you know, taking a stand for their heritage and paying homage. Yeah. And that's what I wanted to do with every album I put out. Cool. Now, did uh, Spanish language music factor into your Christmases growing up? Um, you know what? We would always have mariachis over to the house for any, any, you know, a, a birthday anniversary. My parents were really big on the arts. My parents were really big on, my dad was a drummer in college. My mother, um, actually my mother was the quintessential Maria Von Trapp of the sound of music because she met my dad right when she was in nursing school, but she was studying to be a nun. She was in a convent as a postulant, just like Maria von Trapp, you know, of The Sound of Music. And um, if he hadn't proposed, she would have been a nun. She said she would have become a nun. <laughs> but uh, but she went to the Incarnate Word here, University in San Antonio, where they have a nursing program and a, and a nun school, <laughs> you know, a convent. Right, right. And, um, but yeah, so yeah, they always had mariachis in the house. And no wonder my brother made his first film was called El Mariachi. So they really spoke to our hearts in many, many ways and um, inspired our art in many ways. But yeah, sure. It run the gamut from Carol of the Bells to our favorite mariachi um, songs. My mother taught us them all. Okay. Yeah, because one of the things I've, I, I've, I've been talking to, I've talked to a few musicians who have done Spanish language Christmas songs. And I gather that different different countries have entirely different traditions, and that I that some I, I want to say I was told that Puerto Rico has particularly sort of joyous 
Christmas music and particularly celebratory that and that other countries, Spanish speaking countries have less so or have different. And so I was curious sort of what Spanish language Christmas songs were sort of meaningful in your life growing up. Um, Believe it or not, I mean, we would sing, I don't know, during Christmas, we would sing many mariachi tunes, Mm. but my grandmother that lives in Hawaii for a while, she taught us Merry Christmas, Melikilikimaka. Ah, great. So that's what I remember. I don't remember too much mariachi music during Christmas, but... Uh, but we learned like um, we need a little Christmas from Maine. My mother taught <laughs> us, um, but we had a performance. Like we would perform at at school recitals um, during Christmas. These songs with candy canes. We need a little Christmas. <laughs> and we'd come down our staircase and we'd perform in front of our aunts and uncles. And it was a, definitely a range of music. It wasn't just one genre, which is why all of my albums are different genres. It's not one genre. Right. It's kind of schizophrenic, if you will. It's kind of eclectic. Let's right. use eclectic instead of schizophrenic. But, um, but yeah, that's what I heard growing up. And, and, um, which goes also to my mother taking us to the movie house to see not only the MGM musicals, but double features of Hitchcock films and Vincent Price. And, you know, she had that morbid, you know, uh, macabre mm-hmm. interest in those kind of films, but it ran the gamut, really. Yeah. You know, I think that's that's such a normal thing. I think, and we, you know, we are so often, I think, given the the, the perception that people listen to their thing and listen to stuff in their silo. And the fact is, that's not the way anybody listens to music. That's not the way anybody pretty much consumes much of anything. That's not the way people consume television. People don't simply watch comedies or just watch horror or just watch. People watch a little bit of everything, and it makes complete sense. And, and as you say, when you hear your music, that, that was one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was where it came from, because I hear bar band and I hear sort of a little bit of classic rock. And when you mentioned the Cruzados and, uh, and the Robert Rodriguez uh, soundtracks, that occurred to me, like I heard a connection between the soundtracks and your music, but I was kind of trying to figure out where these come from, because things like that heavily twanged guitar on Santa's on a Rampage. Yeah. Is I wasn't quite sure, like, exactly where the roots of that were. Oh, uh, easy. I told my producer, Rick Del Castillo, I said, I want it to sound, you know, like the 60s with the 007 twist. Uh, <laughs> um, I love I love the Stray Cats. I love Brian Setzer. They, I, they were my first obsession in grade school. I used to sign my name Patricia Setzer on my science <laughs> and math book. I'm not kidding. I, I had it plastered my... Thank God my mother let me plaster my bedroom with Brian Setzer's Stray Cat posters. But that song has a, a root of Stray Cats in there, I think. And it was written with Rosie Flores, the Rockabilly Philly. Right. She's known as the Rockabilly Philly. So we went to town on that. She brought me the title and it wrote itself so fast and so fun. But I, that's my homage to the Stray Cats. Um, kind of sounds like Wanda Jackson a bit, you know. And But I love that genre that they fed us. Because if it wasn't for them, the Stray Cats, you know, I wouldn't have known about Gene Vincent or Eddie Cochran. And there's a there's a line in Old Man Santa of Eddie Cochran blasting from a wax LP. <laughs> that line's in there. <laughs> Thanks to the Stray Cats for letting me know about Eddie Cochran, right? Oh, that's and uh, educating us. And there's a song, there's a line in that same song 
of Buddy Holly, you know, bows hanging bows of Buddy Holly <laughs> or sleigh bells rain, you know, so all my influences are in these songs. And, um, but it all stems from my parents allowing music in the house, allowing us to hear the arts and going to see ballets. My mother put me in ballet when I was nine and to write a song, it's very much like a ballet, you know, putting words to music. It's like choreography to music. It's very much like writing a song. So it really comes easy to me. studio with Rosie because I know she's is in the area were you in the studio yes, with her yes yes in fact she was so busy she was on tour um but we pulled her in the two days before deadline two days before deadline to get her in there and on that same day was um Ruben Blades in New York in a studio laying down his co-write and duet and the same day was my sister in LA laying down her last track for Carol of the Bell. So three people in three different studios on the dead two days before a deadline. But Rosie got in to sing with me. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I, yeah. that, I would imagine that that would have to be particularly sort of exciting because so much of the, I mean, it sounds like so much of this perform, of this recording was still you by yourself in one room and other, and, every, and other people who are contributing, contributing from elsewhere. And that, you know, one of the things that we've missed in COVID times is just being around other people in situations that feel normal. And I'd imagine as a musician, being in a studio with other musicians is one of those places that feels normalizing to you. Exactly, Alex. And, you know, that's why I, I made the music videos on an iPhone, some of them like Alone on Christmas Day. Stephen Ferroni allowed me to watch his Zoom recording live. <laughs> laying down. And I was recording it for me, not for the world to see. I mean, I didn't ask permission right. until I shot it. And I went, oh, my God, this could be an amazing quarantine video. So I went to David Grissom's house with my mask on and I shot him because he shot it. For, he, he recorded from his house. So he'd let me shoot him on my iPhone. That's my iPhone, that whole, you know. And then I asked Carmen Rojas to send me his, you know, on his iPhone or whatever on a camera. Just jam out to the whole song and I'll edit it. So I edited that video. And with Michael Ramos, I went to his house late at night. I did David Grissom and Michael Ramos in one night with my iPhone to catch them, brought it home, edited it. But I wanted people to have that gift to see what it took to make this album in their own homes. But we get to see them doing like, that's what it was like. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. yeah. And, and then Santa's on a rampage. I was in the studio with Rosie. So I brought my phone and then I, you know, I had Rick shoot me and Rosie on my phone, and it's all on an iPhone. Most of the videos are done on an iPhone, but to invite the listener in visually um, to see how it went down. Yeah, yeah, that's exciting. So they're in the studio with us, right? They're in the studio with us. Yeah, yeah. 
and you know, and one of the things I really like about that story, and I think is is also a very 2021 story, is figuring out how to do the things we do with the tools at hand. And that yeah. right now, we are not in a place where you're going to bring a lighting guy, two camera guy, two camera people, et cetera, to come in and do something. What do you do? Yeah. You're going to shoot it. So you'll do it with the, with the tool you have right with you. Yes. And I, I had asked my brother if I could borrow his camera um, when we were shooting a long time ago for the, for the Texacana Mamas. I was doing a video with Tishi Nohosa. And he says, just use your, just use your iPhone. And so when my brother gave me permission to do yeah. that, I went, really? An iPhone? He goes, yeah, man, they're really great. That's my brother, the filmmaker. Yeah, yeah. And I went down. So that's how I was able to do all these videos was, you know, my friend Mark Del Castillo did Noche Buena, Santa's on, Santa's on His Way, and, uh, you know, three videos there. And then we did lyrics video. But some of these were shot just on my iPhone. And I got to edit them. I love editing. I love editing because I know, like, again, like a ballet, I know when to show that that uh, drum crash on the cymbal, you know, and give Tommy Price from Billy Idol on Santa's on a Rampage, that whole video shot on an iPhone and I got to edit it supremely and so happily because I wanted him to start it off and end it, you know, <laughs> like let, let the drummer shine when he's doing that. You know, sometimes the editors are, you know, when it's a drum crash, they're, they're showing the violin close up. I'm like, right. what? Yeah. Like, no. So I think I'm so happy with the way they came out. And in quarantine, I had enough time to do it yeah. as we were recording the song. So it's a gift for everyone to see how this quarantine album came to be. Well, you know, and, I, and we may have made this point, but I feel like I want to make sure it, we made it clear. Had, had it not been for COVID and for the challenges it created, it would have been a very different album. You would likely not it, have gone. It would not have existed. It would not have existed if if we were not in this crisis. There would not have been a reason to do a food drive all last year, every Friday. I, I never had gone live before. I didn't know where the live button was, you know. And so if it wasn't for that crisis of me, you know, tearing up seeing all those cars, it shocked the heck out of me. Um, and, you know, that it never would have happened. I never thought to do a Christmas album. And, and I'm glad I did. <laughs> <laughs> Because all these amazing friends, friends from days gone by from when I was a co-check girl at the China Club. Yeah. What a way to bring us together and really, amistad, that's one of my songs. In Noche Buena, Feliz Navidad, Feliz Amistad. Yeah. Merry Christmas, Merry Friendship. It's about community. Ay, que noche buena, dulce noche buena, el tesoro del cielo. Thanks to Patricia Vaughn for the time and the talk. I love her energy. Thanks to AF The Naysayer for the theme music. And thanks to you for listening. 
let's make a New Year's resolution and share 12 songs. Let your friends know what we're doing here because they're good people and they ought to know. If you haven't already done so, like, share, subscribe, or do whatever you have to do to get 12 songs in your podcast feed. We are pretty much everywhere you get your podcast material, so we're easily found. If you're an Apple person, a five-star review is another good way to help people find 12 songs. If you're listening on a digital assistant, tell Siri or Alexa to play the 12 Songs of Christmas podcast, and they can take it from there. Earlier, I talked about V from BTS and his song, Christmas Day. I said it's not really a Christmas song, but maybe I missed something. We'll go out with it so you can decide for yourself. If you hear it as a Christmas song, let me know why. Since I like BTS, I'd be happy to find they have more Christmas music than I knew. Anyway, whatever the case, talk to you next week. In the small man, I say yeah. It always comes around this uplift when the rain stops. You shine on me. You lie the only thing that keeps the cold out. Moon in the summer night, whispering of the stars, the singing like Christmas trees for us. So I tell you a million tiny things that you have never known.